everyone and welcome to the Gradcracker and GSK webinar. This webinar will hopefully give you a good insight into who GSK is, what it's like to be an intern and graduate there and the future opportunities that could be open to you. You can also discover what the culture is like, what projects you could be involved in and hints and tips on what you should expect when going through the application process. I'm joined today by my colleague Sophie. Hello. Um, who you may have seen last week doing the um, brilliant webinar with INEOS. Sophie will be leading the Q&A section with GSK Sophie, not to be confusing, so sorry, um, <laughs> and the grads a little bit later on. We are also joined by Josh, who works in the early talent team at GSK. Josh will finish off the webinar with some hints and tips and, and advice for when you're putting your applications together. So, hi Josh. Yeah, um, hi everyone. Hi. Hi. <laughs> so I'll, what I'll do now is introduce you to the other panellists. Um, Sophie, if I can start with you. Um, you've recently finished a placement within R&D, so thank you very much for joining us and, and coming back to us today. If you could just tell the audience what you're studying um, and what, you, what university you're actually studying at. Yep, so my name's Sophie. I'm currently studying for an integrated master's degree in chemistry at the University of Manchester and I've just completed my industrial placement at GSK in the MedChem department. What do you, just thinking about the current situation as well, Sophie, so what is your next academic year looking like? Are you back on campus or what, what's, yeah. it, what's it like there? So I've literally just had the booklet of master's projects through today because I'm going back for my master's year. Um, so what Manchester specifically are planning to do is lots of the projects are going to be non-lab based. Yeah. and some of the projects which are potentially going to be lab-based in the second semester, so after January, but it's not 100% confirmed, so it's looking like a lot of us master students aren't going to have the opportunities to get back in the lab once we go back to uni, right. which is, it's disappointing, but it is, it, it is what it is, you know. Yeah, I suppose yeah. you've got to experience a lot of lab work during your internship at GSK though. Yeah, so I was, I was thinking that today, you know, I was thinking, oh, I'm so glad that I've done this placement this year because I'm planning on doing a PhD. So I was thinking, you know, I'll actually have some chemistry to talk about going to those interviews yeah. as opposed to staying at university for my third year and not having the opportunity to do a master's project in fourth year. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Um, Emily, if I can go on to you. So you studied mechanical engineering at the University of Leeds. Um, what do you do at GSK? What's your, what's your job? So I'm a mechanical engineer on the Future Leaders programme at GSK. Mm -hmm. So I'm currently on my first rotation of three and I'm up in the Montrose site as a plant engineer. So the Montrose site is one of our primary manufacturing sites where we make the active ingredient and I'm responsible for basically all of the engineering changes that go on around that specific plant. Oh wow, so do you have a lot of responsibility then? Yeah, I'm responsible for the area called the South Site, so for manufacturing buildings. And how many people does that include? Uh, so the site, yeah, there's probably about 100 people aligned onto the south site. So, wow. Okay, brilliant. Um, and Lyndon, on to you. So you've completed the Future Leaders Programme now. Uh, so if you could just tell everybody what university you studied at and what is your current role? Yeah, so obviously my name is Lyndon. I studied chemical engineering uh, at Newcastle University. Uh, finished the Future Leaders Programme back in 2017. Uh, so at the moment I work as what we call a product family owner, so basically a technical function. So I just support day-to-day -day support in our factory and new product introduction. Uh, I'm also the Programme Manager for our Direct Entry Management Programme, 
just breaking up a little bit there. Um, so I don't know if there's anything that we can do with, with your internet, but um, I'll, I'll, I'll let Lyndon have a little bit of a play with his computer, but he's, he'll smile his way through it, honestly. He's the, the smiliest person I've ever met in my life. So I'll, I'll, I'll leave that with you, Lyndon, to have a little bit of a play. And then, um, Sam, if we can move on to you. Um, you're a commercial graduate. Now, I'm just thinking from our audience's point of view, they might not know what a commercial graduate does. So if you could just give me a little bit of detail on that and also include what you studied and where you studied at university. Sure, thanks Carla. Um, yeah, hi everybody, so my name is Sam Evans. So I studied biomedical science down at the University of Plymouth and that was my undergrad and then I did a master's in business management at the University of Bath. Um, and then yeah, so I'm on the, I'm just on the third year of my future leaders program in the commercial management space in consumer healthcare. So uh, we work with all of the different retailers that uh, sell all of our products. So your Beecham's, your Panadol, Voltarol, what have you. And yeah, so just aligned there, working in a number of different functions and most recently come on to a sales role with Waitrose. Oh, fantastic. So what, what does that mean then? Are you selling products into Waitrose? Yeah, so we'll be aligned. So I'm aligned to Waitrose um, and they will have one point of contact who's their buyer. So I'll work with her directly, make sure that all of the products are sold at the right price, what promotions go live, what space we can get in store to make our brands look good um, at the right times of year, etc. And yeah, and then she'll she'll work with her team to roll it out across Waitrose in the UK. Brilliant. That's a bit of a jump, you know, from from going to university, starting out as, you know, as in biomedical engineering, and then jumping to a sales role. And um, did you ever imagine yourself going through that process? Um, good question. I think the big thing I learned from my biomed degree was that. Whereas a lot of my friends wanted to do medicine or dentistry, or a lot of them wanted to go on and do post-grad lab work, that wasn't what I wanted to do. But what I found my passion was, was for making things easier for people and trying to uh, help them understand. So things like healthcare products, which people buy all the time, give to their families, give to their kids. I think there's still a long way to go to make sure that people are uh, buying the right things for them and making the best informed decisions. And that's where I think I can make a big difference. So that's why I've come and done what I've done. Oh, good. Fantastic. And um, Lyndon, do we have you back? I hope so. Can you hear me? Is that better, Carla? Yes, I can hear you. Thank you very much. Lyndon, can you just introduce yourself again? Because you just broke off a little bit. I just don't want people to miss who you are. Yeah, no worries. I'll start again. Start from the top. So uh, my name is Lyndon. <laughs> I studied chemical engineering at Newcastle University. Uh, finished the Future Leaders programme back in 2017. Uh, at the moment, I work as a product family owner, which is in a technical function on a manufacturing site. So just supporting day-to-day -day production and also a little bit of new product introduction. Uh, I'm also the program manager for our direct entry grad scheme based at site. Um, so I'm based up at the now infamous Barnard Castle up in County Durham. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks, Lyndon. I think we're in a really lucky position to have everybody here today. Um, Lyndon, we're going to go back to right at the end um, of the webinar as well. So Josh is going to go through the application process. But what Lyndon can also bring to, to the audience out there is he's, he's actually been through the programme. So he's experienced it from your point of view. And now, you know, he's, he's leading a team as well. So he can give you um, hints and tips and advice going through the process and then being at the other end of it as well. So we'll come back to you in a second, Lyndon, if that's okay. Um, and now Sophie, GSK Sophie, not my Sophie, GSK <laughs> Sophie is going to give us a brief introduction to who GSK is. So over to you, Sophie. Yeah, so GSK is a world leading pharmaceutical company 
and GSK has the aim to improve the quality of human life um, by making people be able to do more, feel better and live longer. So GSK achieves this by focusing on three main areas, the first of which is over-the-counter consumer healthcare. So GSK is responsible for the manufacture and development of products such as Sensodyne, Panadol, Beecham's cold and flu, and a lot of other popular over-the-counter medicines which you've probably encountered in your day-to-day -day lives. Mm -hmm. Also, GSK focuses on vaccines, you know, which is really important given the current situation with COVID-19. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of the vaccines that, you know, we've probably had in the past when we were toddlers, children growing up, or even more recently has probably been manufactured by GSK. Uh, and lastly, GSK focuses on pharmaceutical research and development. Mm -hmm. um, so they focus on the science um, related to the immune system and using human genetics in order to deliver specialised medicines um, for patients suffering with like, oncology, HIV, etc. Yeah, thank you. So that's a really good insight. And I think something that I wasn't aware of with GSK is all the brands that you're associated with. I know you've mentioned a few there, but you know, like yeah. Beechips, Aquafresh, Panadol, these are household products that we use every day, which our audience would, will be familiar with. So yeah, it's really good to get that insight. And what I want to do now is um, just give the, the viewers a, a brief um, video introduction about GSK, how the research is being carried out is changing the world for the better. So if you just bear with me one second, I'll just get this up now. Do more. Feel better. <laughs> Live longer. GSK, we have a very special purpose, but we live in a challenging and uncertain world where even more is expected of us. We're on the brink of a seismic shift in the world's age population. Troubling news over rising costs and their impact on patients. Our opportunity has never been greater. Science and technology is rapidly transforming our understanding of disease, and there is ever more demand for innovation. To become one of the world's most innovative, best performing, and trusted healthcare companies, we must respond. So let's take on this unique challenge together to change the world for the better. By having the courage to push the boundaries of research, harnessing our breakthrough science, to bring needed quality healthcare products to more people. Partnering with those who share our values to go even further. And most importantly, being in touch with society so people trust both our science and our intentions. Together, Let's challenge ourselves today to change people's lives tomorrow.
So I hope that gave you even more of an insight into GSK, what they're currently working on, future plans, and how important they are around the world. That tune always gets in my head every time I watch that, <laughs> every time I watch that video. Um, right, so the next part of our webinar will be um, Brad Cracker Sophie, who will start the Q&A session, and we're going to start with the GSK Sophie. Honestly, we should have thought about a different code <laughs> you to earlier on. Um, okay. We're going to start with Sophie, who um, is an intern, or was an intern at GSK. So we're hopefully going to ask um, Sophie all the different questions that you would like to ask her, and then we'll move on to the grads. Um, so, Sophie, over to you. Thank you very much, Carla. Yeah, um, I really wanted to start with, with you, Sophie, um, just to find out a little bit more about your internship experience, because I know you've, you've really recently finished, um, yeah. obviously quite an uncertain time as well, you know, probably quite different ending to your internship than you originally start, thought about. Um, Definitely, yeah. I really wanted to start by just finding out a little bit more about, you know, what your experiences were on the internship, you know, where were you based, what teams were you working in? I know you mentioned MedChem, but it'd be great to kind of find out a little bit more about what that actually means um, at GSK. So if you could start with that, it'd be great. Yep, so I was working at GSK Stevenage, which is the main hub in the UK for pharmaceutical research and development. Um, the team, so the GSK Stevenage Research and Development is split into medicinal chemistry and more like process chemistry and analytical chemistry. So I was working on the medicinal chemistry side of things. And within medicinal chemistry, you've got lots of different teams. And in those teams, you've got lots of individual projects. Mm -hmm. um, so I can't necessarily go into the ins and outs of the project that I was working on for confidentiality reasons. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so the team that I was working on was really small. Um, on the, pro the project that I was particularly working on at one point it was just me and my supervisor working on this particular target um, so I was really sort of hands-on in the project you know designing compounds um, synthesizing high priority compounds liaising with my colleagues about what ideas that I had about the project what if things were going wrong I would give um, my thoughts and opinions of why they were going wrong and how that could have be overcome and try them out. And it was just all, all that sort of thing that goes on in MedChem, but it's very, very um, sim organic synthesis focused. So I would say if there's anyone watching who wants to go on to do a placement in the MedChem department, when it comes to interview, I would definitely lay it on that you're really, really interested in organic chemistry because that is predominantly what it is focused around. Fantastic. And it sounds like you had a lot of um, lot of responsibility as well going into that role, you know, even, you know, as an, an, a year long intern, it sounds like you're yeah. given a lot of um, responsibility, you're getting really, really heavily involved in really detailed, you know, business critical sort of um, projects. Um, mm -hmm. Is that what you would have expected when you went on the internship? No. Or was that a bit of a surprise? <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a surprise. You know, I thought I was going to be going on to the internship and just sort of being told what to do rather than actually sort of thinking what to do for myself. Mm -hmm. So the first sort of few weeks or a month is you get told, you know, um, your supervisor is very much guiding you through things and mm -hmm. um, telling you, you know, how to set up equipment, how to do the experiments. But after those first few months to sort of wean you off to independent thinking and independent research. Mm -hmm. So just before lockdown happened, I was actually deciding what 
purification techniques I was going to do. I was consulting literature rather than my supervisor on how to get experiments running. If they weren't working, I would first consult the literature before going to my supervisor and say, look, this isn't working. Mm -hmm. yeah, so, yeah, it was a very big shock to see how independent it was and how, how much I've improved in my chemistry since when I first started the year. Fantastic. It sounds like such a worthwhile year for you then. Definitely, yeah, it was. Um, so what are kind of the st some of the standout experiences you had during that year? I mean, you've mentioned quite a lot about, you know, the independence and thing, but are there any sort of things maybe outside of the actual, you know, chemistry and day-to-day -day techni technical things that you were doing that really stood out during the internship with GSK? Yeah, so I had a really, really good opportunity there to network with as many people as possible. I was networking with people within MedChem. I networked with uh, people outside of MedChem. I networked with uh, global patents and patent attorneys. I networked with people that were working in the American side because once you know lockdown happened and everything, GSK organised this really big sort of coffee break uh, meetup where you'd network with someone once every few weeks from a different area of the business mm -hmm. so it was really nice to sort of go to GSK and get insight into one area but then I was also getting insights into lots of different areas as well and that really sort of helps you to solidify what it is you want to do in the future because you can speak to people actually in those fields and see if that would be for you. Amazing um, so what are kind of thinking about all of these different experiences that you've had, you know, you know, on the job stuff that, you know, the things that GSK have sounds like they've done, especially during this really difficult period of lockdown to really enhance your experience as an intern as well. What are kind of the main things that you've learned and taken away from the last year, um, especially given kind of the, the circumstances that you found yourself in towards the, towards the end of the internship? Yeah, so I would, the thing that I've learned most is to just you know be confident in my work and not be second guessing all the time um, and you know just be motivated in what I do because if you put work in then you know you're going to get a lot out of it and even in lockdown you know I was putting a lot of effort into my work and I got a lot back out of that mm -hmm. so I would say no matter what the circumstances are and even in unprecedented circumstances you know if you're working hard, you, it's not going to be detrimental, I don't think, towards your you know, future career path. Yeah. Amazing. So next steps for you are to return to university. Yes. And then you <laughs> mentioned kind of future plans you were thinking about, sort of PhD. Just, yeah, just yeah. kind of fills in on what, what you think you're going to be doing. Yeah, so I'm going back to university. I'm going to be doing a master's project. Currently, that's not decided yet because of COVID. It's happened a lot later than what it would have been. However, I am thinking of going on to do a PhD after I've completed my master's degree, hopefully in something to do with chemical biology, biochem, medicinal chemistry sort of related field, because that was what I was working on and really enjoyed at GSK. Mm -hmm. And before I actually went and did my placement at GSK, my first and second year, I was like, there's no way I'm doing a PhD. It's not for me. I just <laughs> couldn't picture myself in that situation. But Having gone to GSK and really enjoyed the, the lab work and the lab write-up, looking at literature and, you know, liaising with people that did have PhDs, I've decided that that is for me. Mm -hmm. And then um, after a PhD, I could either carry on with lab work, depending how my PhD goes, or there's also jobs in patents. I really enjoyed networking with patent attorneys at GSK, so that's another career path that I've also considered as well through mm -hmm. doing a placement at GSK. Oh, fantastic. It sounds like um, 
you know, it's really informed kind of your future decision making, you know, doing the internship at GSK. And that is something that we always say to students, you know, doing a year long internship or any sort of internship with an employer really does inform what you might want to do later on. You know, going yeah. back to the employer, it can really, really influence your, your decisions and really solidify what you actually want to do. So you're the, a perfect example of that, Sophie. So thanks for that. No um so yeah, what I'm going to do next is um, I'm going to move on to talk um, to Lyndon, um, if he's here, which I don't know where he is, because I can't, oh there he is. He's moving back in. There was two of you, then there was none of you, so where is he? <laughs> I suddenly noticed, I was so focused and looking at Sophie, I was like, oh I didn't realise Lyndon wasn't there. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just wanted to kind of come on to you quickly, Lyndon, because I know we're going to talk to you in a bit more detail in, uh, later on in the recruitment aspect and your experiences on the Future Leaders Programme. But you also did an internship with GSK before you went on to um, the Future Leaders Programme. So I just thought it'd be really interesting to kind of touch upon, you know, your journey, you know, what did you do as an intern and then how did you kind of come back as a graduate onto the Future Leaders Programme? Yeah, so I did the one year industrial placement again between my third and fourth year of uni. And I'll be honest with you, I probably was a bit unsure about doing it. I was already on a four year integrated master's course. I wasn't sure about making it a bit longer. Not all of my friends were going on rotation either. Um, but I kind of decided to take a punt and go for it. I managed to be based down at our Worthing site. So I was living 10 minutes from the beach, absolutely loving life. Uh, and I really enjoyed it. Took a lot of responsibility. It was mainly supporting, again, day-to-day -day investigations in the plant, big continuous improvements. But it's a really good opportunity to see. We've lost him. We've lost him. We can come back to Lyndon at the end, um, Sophie, so we'll, we'll think of all the questions that we wanted to ask him. See, yeah. he does, and there's two of him. And then <laughs> we'll, um, should, should we move on to Emily? Because you also... Yeah, yeah, no, that's fine. Um, so, Emily, kind of a similar question for you, really, because I, I know that... Oh, Lyndon's back. Apologies, I didn't know what's happening on the internet. <laughs> I am back. <laughs> should we try and pick up where we left off and then go to Emily? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about we get? I guess I was just saying that I kind of I really enjoyed it, and I thought it's a really good opportunity to see if a company is a good fit for you. So for me, it's kind of understanding what is pharmaceutical manufacturing all about, right? Um, and whether I actually something I wanted to do. And I guess going to sort of Sophie's point about the connections. I guess even though I did my placement maybe six, seven years ago now, uh, when I turned up for this job that I'm currently in. Turns out the director who was in charge of our team when I was on placement is also my director now. So it can be a bit of a small world. So it's uh, it's quite handy to make those connections. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what was the kind of the process? So you finished your year long internship and then you applied to the Future Leaders program and then went through that process? Yeah, so after I'd done um, my industrial placement, um, I was fast tracked, I guess, to assessment for the FLP. So that's something that's an option, um, which means that a few of us you know, kind of picked as top performers. We were able to kind of get a head start on the graduates' uh, re uh, recruitment and then was able to actually get offered a job um, before I started my final year of uni. So it kind of worked out really oh, well. Oh, wow, that's really good. I took take a lot of stress out of that final year of university <laughs> as well. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah. It's as stressful as everyone knows, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so, yeah, great. We're going to come back and revisit um, kind of your experiences on the FLP and what you're doing now a little bit later, Lyndon. But I'm going to move on to Emily now just to kind of really ask you a similar sort of question, Emily, because I know you did your placement and then ended up back on the Future Leaders programme. Um, 
So, you know, what was your kind of internship experience and journey like um, from getting to the internship and then through to the, the graduate programme as well? Yeah, so I did an industrial placement at our Barna Castle site where Lyndon is based at the moment. And mm -hmm. Lyndon was actually the manager of one of the industrial placement students in my intake. So Aww. I can see that he possibly recognises me there. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was part of the equipment and controls project engineering team. So I was actually split between what would normally be a mechanical placement and what would normally be an automation engineering placement. Mm -hmm. Because I kind of, when I was at uni, I thought mechanical engineering at Leeds was quite centered around your aeronautical and aerospace and your automotive and your medical and I wasn't too sure which I kind of wanted to go down so I thought why sit with mechanical let's let's reach out and do a bit of automation as well so potentially bit off a little bit more than I could chew to start with but I got thrown in nicely at the deep end and I started off by doing cyber security so I was responsible for a team of 18 people doing security patching over our special function network systems and basically ensuring that they were all safe from any form of cyber attack, which was just following the NHS having their attack <laughs> and with zero hours loss of production. So that was kind of the control side. And then on the equipment side, I was responsible for bringing in new equipment for our production lines. Mm -hmm. So I was responsible for our syringe device assembly and packing lines. Mm -hmm. um, so that was a fantastic experience. I kind of got so much more out of it than I ever expected to. I was kind of similar to Sophie. I thought I'd kind of come in in the morning. They'd be like, so Emily, you're going to do this today. And said it was, so you've got this line on you go. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, so similar to Lyndon, I was on the, the recommendation program. So I got fast tracked through to the assessment process and I actually did mine between my second and third year. Mm -hmm. So I went back to uni having secured this for when I graduated. So that made my life slightly less stressful going back to uni for that, that final year. Oh, that's amazing. I mean, it's, it's so nice to hear kind of all three of you saying, you know, the experiences, you know, you got so much responsibility throughout it and, you know, it really kind of, decided what you wanted to do as a career so that's fantastic um it's interesting what you were talking about as well Emily um, earlier about you know we're doing a mechanical engineering degree and you know being kind of steered towards you know is it more automotive etc um I was one of the things I was going to ask you you know how did you kind of go from mechanical engineering to end up working in pharmaceuticals um you know what kind of was your initial driver to do that I think for me when it came to looking for industrial placements I just looked at pretty much everything that was out there and thought whether it was something I could see myself doing mm -hmm. and I already knew areas that interested me more than others and pharmaceuticals was one of them mm -hmm. and when I saw the role at Barna Castle because I had that opportunity to experience slightly more and I felt like the role itself could be quite tailored to what I wanted to gain from it and I worked in a fantastic team that were able to support that I gained so much more than I ever expected that I could and I'm sure it would have been a similar experience at kind of any of the others because I'd put so much time into researching them and really knowing what I wanted from them yeah. and there were things that I just knew that I had to find out when I was here. Amazing I think that is such good advice as well Emily for people to really be open to different options you know not think just because I'm studying X, Y, and Z, I can only work in one industry. Really do be open to so many different sectors that want your skills because 
no matter what STEM degree you're studying, there will be a, a number of different sectors looking for your degree background. So I think that's great advice. I'm so glad that you've said that as well. <laughs> and I think um, that, you know what, all, all of the um, grads and, and you, Sophie, have also mentioned about networking. So the different areas that you go into, if it's an internship or a graduate program, you are meeting lots of different people, which would help you in the long run as well from, from your networking point of view. So I think doing an internship, following it through to your graduate program, and then, you know, now being like, like Lyndon, just think about how many people um, you've, you've met and how many different roles that you've been exposed to as well. Mm. Absolutely. Um, okay, so what I'm going to go on to next, I'm going to go and talk to Sam. Um, so I would like to start by asking you just a little bit more about, about the role that you're doing, you know, the commercial aspect, um, the team that you're working in. Um, and yeah, can you just explain a little bit more about kind of what your day to day looks like? Because I think a lot of our students won't really understand, won't really know what, you know, working week would typically be like. So if you could enlighten us, Sam, that would be great. <laughs> I'll do my best. Um, yeah, so I think it's quite interesting, especially when um, you're speaking to a lot of people that have worked in either the R&D functions or the, the production sites, because it's often a case of if we don't have them and the tens of thousands of people that are making these products every day, then we can't sell anything, you know, like, uh, and we're the ones that almost at the cold face. But if our friends behind in all the factories aren't doing it, like we're, we've seen, obviously, all of this has kicked off recently. And one of the biggest advantages we had was with everybody wanting paracetamol. And Panadol is ours. And for anybody who doesn't know, most of the like your Tesco as the paracetamol is made in India. Mm-hmm. And India just shut up shop. They were not exporting anything. Okay. We make Panadol in Ireland. And so we were in a really good position to keep supplying that UK market with the products that consumers wanted, at a time when they felt like they needed that support. Panadol was able to offer them for that. So that was a big thing. So I just wanted to say that because I think it's really uh really important that for the people in R&D. So my team, yeah, so I work, as I say, I'm aligned to Waitrose. Um, So GSK, Consumer Healthcare, if everybody doesn't know, has two sides. We have an oral care business, so that's Sensodyne, Aquafresh, everything there. And then we have our healthcare business. And recently we underwent a joint venture with um, what they call Pfizer. Um, So we just joined with Pfizer. So we've taken some of their amazing brands now. So we've got things like Anadin, Centrum and Nexium, so vitamins and an indigestion product. Mm-hmm. So opening up our our categories and things like vitamins and well-being is massively top of mind, and especially even more so now. So opening us up into into some really big new categories, which is really exciting for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm aligned to Healthcare and Waitrose, and then I sit within the ASDA, Morrison's, and Waitrose team. Mm-hmm. So that's one team, and we have. One person for healthcare, one person for oral care for each of those retailers. Yeah. That then scales up into a total grocery team. So that factors in Tesco, Sainsbury's, um, co-op, everything there. And then that scales up into a total sales team when you add in all of our pharmacy channels. So you've got your boots, your super drug, and then all of your pharmacy regionals, you know, like Dr. Patel's pharmacy down the road. Um, and so, yeah, so that's the bigger team that I sit in. So it, it's quite funny, actually, when you think, You've got everything that's yours and you have to nail everything there. And then there's so many other different parts. So it's quite important when somebody might be struggling on one side of things that we can try and help out in different parts. Um, So that's really important. Mm -hmm. My day-to-day, a lot of it is making sure that our pricing is correct, monitoring how much we're selling. And and the biggest thing is making sure that we're forecasting accurately Mm -hmm. what we're going to sell in the next month. So if we've got a promotion on, 
we need to make sure that our demand planners are aware of what we're going to need so they can send the note to people in the factories to make sure that we get it. Um, and yeah, so a lot of it, it does a lot of stuff like that. So communication with the buyers, making sure that they're happy, negotiating to see whether we can get any um, better sites or whether we can get our products near the tills. So for things like paracetamol, Panadol, Anodine, it's the definition of what you call a store cupboard essential. So everybody has it generally in the house. We just want to keep reminding people that they can buy it in Waitrose. They don't need to go to Boots. They don't need to go anywhere else. They can just buy it there. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a lot of the stuff that we do. Fantastic. That's, that's so interesting in thinking about, you know, you coming from that kind of biomed background and then where you've got to now. So what year of the Future Leader Programme are you on at the moment then, Sam? So I'm in my third year. Um, so yeah, so my first year was spent out on the road um, doing door-to-door dental. Um, so yes, I was visiting dentists. Mm-hmm. Um, so driving around the streets of Northwest London, oh. door-to-door to dentists, trying to I thought it was really interesting actually in that video that they shared about the, the link that it says and being in touch with society. Yeah. And that is the definition of it. I'm talking literally every day about toothpaste and teeth. To <laughs> we've been doing it the whole life and I literally learned it in a couple of weeks and I was like, Yeah, I know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> um and it was yeah, it was really interesting. And um so I was doing that every day for and then I went into my second role, which was called a category management role. This was something I'd never heard of. But mm-hmm. if I, so I was aligned to Asda and Morrison's, if I could explain it like this, my current role means giving GSK a bigger slice of the Waitrose pie. Okay, yeah. think about it like that. My old role was working with Asda and Morrison's to make their healthcare pie bigger. Okay. So that, that involved working with other people's brands, telling them like, you need to get this other product by, by somebody else. You, this is really good. You should really support this. Um, but also trying to make sure the GSK is really well represented uh, and it really builds that credibility for the relationship too. So that was, um, that was a really difficult role that I really didn't know what it was when I went into it. But um, yeah, really happy and learned so much on the back end. Wow, it sounds like you've had such a diverse three years in terms of the experiences that you've had. Um, and I know kind of leading up to this, Sam, as well, you kind of mentioned to us how important that growth mindset is at... Um, GSK and that's something that I found really fascinating um, so I just kind of wanted you to touch upon you know what does growth mindset mean at GSK what how does that kind of impact your your day-to-day and how's it impacted your last three years on on the future leaders program for sure yeah so people will hear it called very different things you hear it called open mind growth mindset I if I could put it quite simply to me what it means is never take enough for an answer always keep that broader mind thinking and the way I would always try and describe it is if you, if you could ever want to apply for a job, apply based on the bullet points underneath, not the title at the top, because things like my category manager role, the bullet points underneath are amazing. And I would never have known that if I hadn't have been, obviously I was assigned the role, but people, you didn't think category manager, what does that even mean? Um, so that would be my big thing. And we talk about it a lot. It's continuing to, you'll hear it called continual improvement different things like that I think as young people in a business a business that's so well established people get caught in such routines and that'll happen any business anywhere you go people will just say oh we've always done it that way Mm -hmm. and I think young people wherever you go it doesn't have to be in GSK have a big responsibility to think why yeah you know like we do it all the time it's like different things that people do. My parents do different things in the house. I'm like, why do you do that? Well, I've always done it. Oh, yeah, okay, brilliant. 
Um, so yeah, I think you have a really like it's it's quite nice as well because you can feel like you're immediately contributing, and you might think of things that people will have never because you're looking at it with fresh eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's something that I would I would just like to say. And things like um, e-commerce, that's massive at the minute. People are buying things on Amazon. Young people are are closer to that historically because we are the age that have grown up buying stuff online yeah mm-hmm. with it's such a big focus area for so many businesses now coming into it and being like this is what we should be looking at you don't have to have all the answers but if you turn people to look in the right places then that really does get that ball rolling and can make you have a real big impact straight off the bat that's fantastic I, I completely agree with you i think having that mindset of just thinking you know how can i learn every day you know where can i make um, a difference here is a fantastic outlook to have and it sounds like GSK kind of really instill that in all of you as well throughout the Future Leaders programme. Um, thank you so much for kind of giving us an overview there Sam. I'm going to kind of circle back to um, Emily now. Um, as I know that one of the things that we want you, you kind of wanted to mention today as well and we wanted to find out a little bit more from you in terms of the Future Leaders programme is around chartership. Um, so I know that's a really important goal for a lot of students who are looking to go into a graduate scheme as an engineer and, you know, working towards that. Um, so could you tell me a little bit more about how GSK are kind of helping you achieve, helping you to achieve the chartership and what sort of activities you have to do to, to gain that? Yeah, of course. So GSK are registered for the MPDS scheme, which is the Monitored Professional Development Scheme with the IMIKE which basically is a four-year scheme that supports you towards your chartership by generating quarterly reports that you work with your mentor to make sure that you're ticking all the boxes for the different chartership competencies. Mm -hmm. Um, As you possibly picked up earlier, I actually graduated from university with a bachelor's and to become a chartered engineer, you need to have learning up to a master's level. So there are a couple of ways that you can go about doing that which one of which would be I could study a master's alongside being on the scheme which is completely supported and there are quite a lot of graduates that do choose to do that or you can do what I'm doing which is called a personalized further learning plan so I have had to generate this plan along with my mentor and your mentor is assigned to you by GSK so there's a a group of IMECI chartered mentors that are happy to kind of help people out and you've got to cover three different areas of your learning so you've got to demonstrate engineering and science deepening so that's the like really technical knowledge up to that master's level and technical broadening and non-technical broadening so i chose for my engineering and science deepening i'm doing a double weighted master's module with the open university alongside studying But for the technical and non-technical broadening, I'm actually doing a combination of training courses with various training providers like the IMEKI and Knowledge Academy. And I basically go on the training course. Mm -hmm. I then come back. I do work-based learning around it. So one example was I went on about hazard identification and I then came back and was involved in hazard studies on site. And I then do extra research around it and generate a report of what I've learned and what I can demonstrate in that, which my mentor then assesses against kind of my agreed plan. Mm -hmm. So I can do that alongside doing my MPDS scheme. So I'm already in the final quarter of my second year because I was able to count my industrial placement towards that too. So hopefully if everything goes to plan, I'm only about two years off being able to apply for my chartered status, despite only leaving university this summer with a bachelor's degree. Oh, wow. That's That's incredible. (laughs) 
So don't feel like you've got to stay and do the masters if it's not necessarily the thing for you. There are loads of ways you can go about still getting that learning up to that level whilst you're here. For me, leaving university after that bachelor's was the right thing to do and I don't regret a second of it. Oh, amazing. It sounds like you've got so much support as well in terms of, you know, what GSK is putting into you for that chartership as well. Definitely. And they support you whilst you're on the grad scheme for going on these various training courses. And it's, it's the level of you go to your manager and say, I'm really interested in going on this course. Like, am I okay to do this? Yep, of course. On you go. It's <laughs> such a supportive place to be when it comes to like your development and furthering yourself in those ways. That's great. And what kind of benefit, so when you achieve chartership, what benefit do you feel like that's going to give you in your working life and as an individual? What, what's kind of the real thing that you're, you're working towards in terms of the chartership? So I think for me, a really big piece of it is actually giving back. I would love to, once I finished it, become a mentor for other people hoping to get to the same kind of stage as me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's obviously a really good thing to have on your CV. Like it's always going to work in your favor that you've gone down that chartered route and shown that you've put that extra time and effort into your development. And it doesn't stop once you've got the kind of tick box that says, yep, you're now chartered. That's still your continual development and you still are expected to be developing yourself, developing others. And it's just that, that proof that you've kind of gone that extra mile to get there and you're happy and willing and want to help other people get there too yeah oh fantastic that's so nice that you know you're you're going to get that opportunity as well later down the line um that's brilliant thank you so much for that i, I really do think chartership something that you know we haven't touched upon too much in these webinars but it's something that definitely our audience is so interested in so and it sounds like at gsk you've got a real opportunity to to kind of dive into that as well definitely and i'm sure they support the other schemes as well i just know more about the mechanical one with being yeah. on the mechanical one myself <laughs> fab um Okay, so before I hand back over to Carla um, to kind of talk to Josh and Lyndon about the recruitment process, I just want to quickly touch base with Lyndon again, because I thought what's been really nice today is we've had such a range of different people on, on different areas of the scheme. You know, we've talked to Sophie, who's just finished her year long. We've got Emily and Sam, who are on the graduate scheme. And then we've got you, Lyndon, that, you know, you did your internship, you've completed the Future Leaders Programme, and now you're, you know, kind of where you are. It would be really interesting to hear, you know, what's your kind of typical week at GSK like? You know, what what sort of activities do you get get up to? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's one of those, I know it sounds like a bit of a cliche where no two weeks are exactly the same, right? <laughs> <laughs> I guess, in given my current role, I guess, because I'm um, responsible for 11 products that we make on our site, uh, it can be quite varied. So it's really around supporting production on a day-to-day basis, right? So I guess if we would go for a typical day, like I guess what my tomorrow's looking like, uh, I'd start the day, we normally have about three or four morning meetings at various levels in the factory, trying to understand how the last 24 hours have gone, have there been any issues, have there been any problems? And that really kind of sets me and my teams up for the day. So if it's a good day, it could be quite quiet, might get some paperwork done, some report work writing. Uh, if it's a bad day, it might be straight down into the factory and on the lines, right? Supporting the guys and the operators on the day to day. Um, so it could be it could be quite varied. There tends to be quite a lot going on in GSK. It's particularly in the factory that I work on. There's about a thousand people who make about twenty four different products just in my area. So it can be quite busy. Yeah. Wow, that's great. Now that's um that's great. Thank you for that. I think it is great for um, our audience to really understand you know, what is a working day like. It might be something they haven't experienced yet. So um, it's really interesting for them to hear. Um, 
Okay, I'm going to hand back to Carla um, now to do the recruitment side of things, but I just want to say a massive thank you um, to you, Sophie, Sam, Emily, Lyndon, um, for your insights there and, and for giving us such a great overview of what you guys have been up to on your internship graduate schemes um, so far. Thank you. Yeah, thanks everybody. So now we've kind of told you all about the internships, graduate experiences and the progression that you can make through GSK. What I'd like to do is talk to you, Josh, um, just to briefly go through the application process and what students can expect, if that's okay. Yeah, sure. Hey. Hi, everyone. So yeah, um, so Carla, thanks so much for having us. Thanks for, for organising this. It's great to see so so many people joining. I won't say the actual number because I know uh, Carla's <laughs> been covering it up because it makes her a bit nervous. But um, yeah, it's great to see loads of people uh, loads of people joining and listening. Um, so yeah, my name's Josh. Um, as Carla said, I work in the uh, early talent recruitment team um, here at GSK. Uh, so responsible for well, our team are responsible for running the recruitment processes and recruiting our industrial placement program. So all the students on that and our Future Leaders program, which is our best known graduate program and uh, the program that uh, a lot of our uh, panelists today uh, were on or are currently on. Um, so in terms of uh, the process for both of those, um, the process is quite similar, no matter what, if you're applying for our placements or our graduate scheme, the process isn't hugely, hugely different. Mm -hmm. um, important thing, I guess, uh, to flag uh, is that our process and our recruitment process, both of those, is strengths-based. So we're looking at your individual strengths. So that's kind of more important to us. So we're looking at your uh, kind of future potential your engagement, your motivations, your own strengths, that's really, really quite important, more so than you having loads and loads of previous work experience. We're not hugely interested, we're not hugely looking um, for the person who's got the most work experience. We're looking for um, the person whose strengths, their values, their motivation, their engagement, all kind of align uh, with GSK. So we're, yeah, what we kind of look for is as I say your strengths so these are things you, you do well things that you do quite a lot things that actually energize you things that engage you things you actually like to do that's what we're really looking for so our process um, for our IP or our graduate program start with a very very quick uh, eligibility form which literally only takes about two minutes um, so you just need to put in a bit of info about yourself what make sure you're on the right degree a lot of our programs so our commercial roles some of our kind of business operation roles are open to to all degree areas so it doesn't really matter what you're, you're studying um, some of them of course some of the, the engineering some of our R&D roles you do need to be on kind of and have completed the, the kind of correct degree um, but that eligibility form literally takes takes two minutes uh, and then you'd be invited to take our online test which is it's called the world of GSK um, so this is a, an immersive uh, online test where you watch some videos you're given different scenarios you're asked to answer a few questions and these all kind of relate and are in some way to do with the GSK values and expectations really to see whether your um, your own values align with, with ours and whether you're kind of a right fit for the role as well. You get to watch quite a few videos about the company, you learn quite a lot about, about GSK as well. And as far as it goes, in terms of doing online tests, one of the slightly more fun ones, I think, as far as as far as they can be. Um, and should you be successful in that, if you're applying for our, our graduate scheme, Future Leaders Program, you'd then be invited um, to take our job simulation, um, which is called GSK Life. And as the name suggests, it kind of gives you a feel of uh, life in the role. Um, so they're quite kind of role specific so you'd get different questions and it's um, kind of uh, online assessment where you get questions that 
uh, relate and are to do with the role that you're actually applying for. There's also some video questions in there as well. So these are all about your motivation. So we really want to see, and what I think the most important thing um, about uh, about that part of it and a part of the process, I suppose, is uh, about your own motivation. So why specifically have you chosen that role? Why specifically have you chosen GSK? There's loads of other big companies out there. What makes GSK the one that you want to apply for? And we've got loads of roles. Why that role in particular? Uh, that's really what we want to see. So we really want to find out your motivation. I think that's a really, really big part um, of our process and a really big part of that kind of job simulation stage. So that's for our future leaders program. If you're applying for a, an industrial placement with us, it's quite similar, but you'll you'll fill uh, out an application form at that stage rather than the the uh, job simulation. So again, we're asking similar sorts of questions and a similar sort of thing, just in a slightly different format. And then for for either or both of those programs, hopefully then you'd be invited to our assessment centre. So that's the final stage. Uh, so typically we'd invite you here to, to GSK House where I am today. Uh, unfortunately, looking more and more likely with every passing week that we're not uh, going to be running our assessment centres uh, in person uh, this time round. Uh, so there will be a virtual kind of online um, assessment centre. We'd still be asking you similar sorts of things. You'd still be going through basically the same process that you would be whether you were coming in person here um, but you'd be doing it from the, the comfort of your own home so we still have a, a strengths-based interview which is an interview again looking at your strengths looking at your interests looking at your engagement um, you have uh, maybe a, a presentation uh, a one-on-one -on -one exercise um, and sometimes for some of our more technical roles there might be uh, kind of a technical interview or a technical presentation um, where that's kind of suitable and Hopefully, hopefully following that, uh, we'd, be, we'd be making you an offer. So that's a kind of quick snapshot of our process. Um, in terms of dates, that's really, really important. Yeah. Our industrial placement program is opening really soon. It is on the 9th of September. So what, less than two weeks, I think that is. Yeah. Um, so that's the, the vast majority of our industrial placement programs opening then. So we've got um, our manufacturing and supply chain roles, including all our engineering roles, most of our business roles, and uh, a lot of our R&D roles are opening in September. For our IP roles as well, we do have um, placement roles opening a little bit later in November. So if you're interested in uh, working in the consumer research and development or working in human resources, we do have roles opening a little later, but the vast majority of them are opening in about two weeks. So I'd strongly recommend if you're interested in the placement to have a look, have a look then because you will have lots and lots of choice in terms of roles that are open. Um, for our graduate program, our future leader program roles are all opening on the 7th of October. So uh, again, about what, five or six weeks time um, and again I'd strongly recommend having a look kind of as soon as you can after that date some of them are quite popular aren't necessarily open for a huge huge amount of time so I definitely recommend if there's an area you're really interested in really want to work and you really want to apply make sure you to do that kind of as soon as you can don't have a look at the the advert don't kind of go away come back a few days later because I don't want don't want you to miss it. Some of the roles are only open for, for quite a short amount of time. Um, so yeah, 7th of uh, September for placements, um, 9th of September for placements, 7th of October for our graduate roles. Yeah, thank you, Josh. And I'll, I'll remind the um, students at the end about following GSK and everything else to be alerted sure. when you do open your opportunities. Just one last question that I've got for you, Josh, if I may. So how long is the recruitment process? Um, does How long does it generally take? So a student would apply to you and then when would they expect to hear um, if they've been successful? Yeah, sure. So for our for our placement roles, um, as I say, most of them opening early September, close usually kind of mid-October. Mm -hmm. um, 
and by that time you need to have kind of completed everything in terms of do that initial eligibility form, complete the world of GSK, uh, and do fill out your application form. So as long as you do that, um, you'll hear if you're invited to an assessment centre, typically about two weeks after we close the roles, so usually kind of towards the end of October. Uh, and then for most of our placement programmes, uh, the assessment centres are in November, sometimes in early December. Um, so for our placement roles, if you're applying to any of those roles that open in, in kind of early September, you'd be coming through an assessment centre, hope, hopefully having an offer with us by kind of late November, early December. Um, for our Future Leaders programme, um, again, it's uh, similar sorts of timelines. So you'd apply in October and typically have the assessment centre would be uh, late November, early December. Fantastic. So quite a quick turnaround then, quite a quick process. Fairly quick. Yeah, fairly quick. Um, again, if you, if you apply to one of those um, placement roles that open a little later in November, uh, your assessment will be after Christmas, usually in February. So that can take a little bit longer. Um, but yeah, uh, the majority of them, you'll, you'll know you'll hopefully have an offer uh, before Christmas. Fantastic. That would be a lovely Christmas present, wouldn't it? Um, yeah. Lyndon, if I may, thank you very much, Josh. Lyndon, if I may, I just want to finish off with you. Um, we've spoken on, spoken all the way through the webinar with about your experience, you've been through the whole process. Now you are, you know, a hiring manager or you're part of that side of things. What, what, you know, top three hints and tips would you give a student now thinking about applying for GSK or, you know, going through the process? I probably think the number one thing I think for anyone who's looking to apply for the process to remember is just to research the programs that you're applying for, right? Yeah. I think in a company like GSK, you've heard on the call today, there's so many different roles, whether it's R&D, manufacturing or corporate you want to go into. Um, there's loads of different routes into GSK as well, when you come in as an IP or future leader. So do things exactly like this dive into these webinars that Carla and Sophie have organised, hear a little bit more about the company, uh, know a little bit about what we do, and I guess a little bit of your reasons for why you want to do it. So as Josh touched on, that's one of the number one things. When I kind of have a candidate that's come up to me, or I'm interviewing, the number one thing I like to see is, why do you want to work in this pharmaceutical, this healthcare arena that we all work in, right? I think that's probably the number one tip. And I think that's probably the second thing to remember as you move through the stages, whether it's video interviews or you do come through to assessment centres, is that kind of the whole process is designed to see if you're a good fit for GSK and if GSK is a good fit for you, right? So use the process every stage you go along to learn. And Lyndon's videos frozen a bit there but obviously sound was working well so I didn't want to break him up in between um, Lyndon answering that question um, but yeah I think we've got loads of loads of great hints and tips throughout the webinar and um, what I've come away with is it is the different routes into GSK it's the different opportunities that you've got there's lots of help and um, that seems to be available available to the students and the graduates and um, so I would just like to thank everybody I don't know if you can hear me Lyndon but thank you as well for joining us um, today on this webinar. Hopefully all of you in the audience found it really useful. Um, GSK do have some graduate opportunities open at the moment so why not have a look, go and apply today, they're on the hub um, and as Josh said, said, a couple of dates to bear in mind um, the 9th of September, the 7th of October, this is when they'll be opening their opportunities for next year. So don't forget to go follow GSK on Gradcracker. You'll then be alerted by email and push notification when these opportunities open. Just to kind of back up what Lyndon said as well, do your research, watch this webinar again, and um, you can watch it as a whole or it's broken up into different segments. 
the GSK hub is also a fantastic place to go and do your research. There's lots of information on there, lots of videos and everything else like that. And what I'm going to do is speak to Josh afterwards and, and make sure we have profiles from everybody who's joined us today as well, because you've got such great stories to tell the audience. And um, so thank you very much for joining us. Um, don't forget everybody that the next webinar will be next Thursday, um, same time, same place, with me and my colleague Jess, and it will be with KPMG, who's one of the big four accounting organisations. So, I thank you very much for joining us. Thank you everyone. Thank you everyone, and I'll speak to you all soon. Thank you. Thank bye you. Bye. Bye-bye.